everybody. We are here for episode 34 of Eat, Drink, Write, an Urban Fantasy Whiteboard. Today, we're going to talk about another cliche and how to turn it on its head. This cliche today is about love triangles. Mm -hmm. So we'll do that. But before we get to that, how was your week? Oh, it was exhausting. I'm back at work full time like I was last week, but this time I've added classes. Uh, so classes started on Thursday, and, and it's been really hectic with um, making sure everything is ready for coronavirus and all these students to come back, which hint, hint, we're not ready. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, so that started, and all of my classes are on Thursday. I don't have any on like Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Um, so that was nice, uh, but it is an 8 a.m. class, and then my other class is all online. Ooh, 8 a.m., gross. Right, which isn't horrible because, like, I'm already up for work and, like, that kind of thing, but it is, like, an hour earlier than I'm used to and, and that kind of stuff, so. Um, so, since you work, do you do you go to class online at work or do you go to class online at home? No, I go to class online at work. Um, I have an office at work, so I don't, I'm not around other people. I can sit in there and, and not worry about it, and I kind of lucked out on that because the person whose office I'm using is, um, She's immunocompromised, so she's just teleworking. So she's working off campus these days, and she's like, "Well, you're welcome to use my office," and it worked out really well for me since I do have online class and stuff that I have to deal with and all that. So that works, okay. Yeah, so not well, bad. We'll see how uh, the University of Georgia goes. We're gonna shut down. Yeah, <laughs> I just, it's... I mean, I just, I can't imagine that we won't unless they just ignore the explosion of cases that's going to happen. So. Yeah, Riley started classes, and we're still all 100% digital in Georgia. Well, in our county, Gwinnett County. Right. But I think kindergartners go back in person on August 26th, and then it's staggered. I think Riley's class, being a sophomore in high school, she'll go back. September 11th, I think, is her time to go back. Now, she's opted to not go back. She wants to go ahead. And at her age, that's easy. It's right. You know, I understand it's hard to teach a kindergartner through a computer. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I get that. But I'm lucky enough that she's and she's lucky enough that she's old enough to be able to do this easily. And, you know, she's number three in her class. I don't see it being a problem for her to be able to learn. I do feel for those students who don't learn as easily yeah. as she does that's it's going to be rough but yeah no way but definitely a more difficult year all around i think so. but my week for me we had our first full week of virtual court so it was a very long week for me five days i'm lucky enough to be the host on these zoom hearings so i have a lot of administrators administrative <laughs> <laughs> i'm a writer y'all oh, yeah. uh, administrative things that I have to do in addition to all my law stuff that I have to do because a lot of the cases on the calendar were my cases. So I had to deal with the, being the lawyer, but I also had to deal with being the administrator running everything. So it was extremely stressful. That's, they should hire someone, I feel like, to be the administrator for digital, digital court. It, it's not horrible. I did, our internet went down in the middle of the week. So exactly. I had to use our hotspot, which is not as strong. Oh, it was terrible. Some, the AT&T people came into our neighborhood and we're going along. And luckily I was on lunch break when it went down, but Riley comes out of her room where she's doing her virtual classes. And she's like, I think the internet's down. The internet's down. I'm supposed to be online. What are we going to do? And I'm like, okay, chill. <laughs> log on to your hotspot because we all have hotspots and she's like oh yeah hotspot okay so she was able to do that and i'm going 
oh my God, I have court this afternoon. <laughs> what do I do? And your dad is like, log on to your hotspot. I'm like, oh yeah, okay. <laughs> Good Lord. I mean, I guess like you, you got to expect that kind of stuff to happen, especially like with everything being digital and like some kids, yeah, their internet's going to go down and be like, well, what, you know, they can't be penalized for that kind of thing. And well, I'm going to, can't say anything for you in your court that's that kind of sucks <laughs> I mean we do have to to work with these things I mean we have one defendant who is a truck driver and he had a partner in the car in the truck so the partner was driving the truck but because they were moving the internet was bad and the judge said you have to pull over so that we can hear you and he was like we can't we're under you know time frame to get this stuff delivered and the judge is like I don't care you're gonna pull over so they pulled over and then we were able to hear him. So that was, it was an interesting week. I, yeah, learned, I learned a lot this week on how to do things differently for the September court date. I'm already jumping on that. Good. But yeah, I'm, I'm really tired. It was a long, long week. I, I served my drink. Speaking of, <laughs> what are you eating and drinking? Oh, I made some whole wheat chocolate chip waffles. Ooh for my mm. meal and then I'm having my typical white claw tangerine flavor this week. So. Nice. I'm kind of on the tangerine flavor too. I've got uh the La La, La Croix, La, La Croix, whatever, yeah, whatever you call it. <laughs> um tangerine flavor and then I put lime in it and vodka. It doesn't really have a name. I might have named it before. One of our drinks that I made that I made up was the right stuff, but I don't remember if that's this one or not. So that's what I'm drinking today. And then uh, we went to, we had barbecue last night from Q Barbecue in Lawrenceville, Georgia. That place is my favorite barbecue place. And I had, um, we, had we had ribs. And so I'm eating leftover ribs today. Those ribs are amazing. Mm, that sounds great. They're too sticky for me to eat and hold the paper that I have to hold. So <laughs> I, I'm looking at them going, I really want to eat these. So I'll eat them shortly. So our topic today is love triangles, and I tried to find jokes about love triangles, but I couldn't find any jokes about love triangles, so I found jokes about triangles. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's, uh, let's hear that. I have three of them. Oh, of course. I told them to your father this morning, and I was just laughing, and he's like, number one, I see where Jordan gets it from, yes. and number two, I'm glad somebody thinks they're funny, because I was just laughing. Oh, my God. Be prepared. Okay. Why aren't there many jokes about triangles? Why? Because some of them are obtuse. Less. <laughs> number two, the triangle says to a circle, you're pointless. The circle says back, that's how I roll. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> what kind of triangle is a tortilla chip? What? An isosceles triangle. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I like that one too. That one's pretty good. <laughs> uh, okay. So now we can talk about love triangles and the cliche that they are. And um, I'll turn it over to you to start. All right. Good. Sorry. I'm still reeling from the, uh, the jokes. <laughs> um, so I got a lot of my information from this blog, Story Grid. And uh, the particular article was 10 tips for writing love, love triangles that are not cliche. So, Perfect. Yeah. And it was written by Savannah Gilbo. So. Okay. That's where I got most of my information that I will be talking about. 
Um, so what is a live, uh, a live triangle? What is a love triangle? Um, it typically involves three characters, but despite the name, it can also involve more than that. Like you're not limited to just three characters. It doesn't have to be a triangle per se. That's just, you know, the, the name of it. Um, it happens when your protagonist has two or more love interests and both of those interests compete for your protagonist's attention. Um, and both of them love your protagonist. Like there has to be, you know, they have to be vying for your protagonist. Um, your protagonists also love both of them too, but they should have to choose between one of them. Uh, and this type of trope is seen a lot in young adult novels, but I've also seen it used across genres. Yeah, I have too. I've seen it in everything, but it does seem to dominate the young adult books. And I, you know, I think that it's, that's a good place for it because young adults haven't had the experience yet. You know, these teenagers, they don't know yet who they are and who, what they're looking for. They are just learning. So it makes sense that they would have two different people that might appeal to them and on some level. So, that, you know, that makes sense to me. That's yeah. what a lot of young adult books are centered on as the coming of age and the, the learning of oneself. I did find, I was looking at the Urban Dictionary to find out what their definition was, and I found it amusing. The very last sentence in their definition was, love triangles, as it is widely agreed, really fucking suck. <laughs> wow. <That's laughs> and I thought, that, that is brilliant. Okay. Oh, I and I that. have... I was listening to some of our episodes and apparently I love the word brilliant. I use the word brilliant all the time. Do you? I haven't noticed. I, it is a lot. So I just said it again and that, and that's, I caught it because I have been listening and we, I say it a lot. Yeah. I'm sure I have some of those words too. I don't, I don't know what they would be, but I'm sure I have some of them. But I thought that was funny and it is actually very appropriate because they do. You can't, in our society anyway, mostly, right. you can't have everybody win in that scenario. So it's going to be a bad, there's going to be a bad ending maybe in some way. Right. For, for somebody. Right. 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 Yeah. So, you know, what are, what are some examples? Uh, Bella Swan uh, has to choose between Edward Cullen and Jacob Black in the Twilight series, which is a yeah. big one, you know, there are all the Team Edward and Team Jacob people. And I'm, I work with this girl. She's a, a new lab mate that I have. And she loves the Twilight series. So she'll talk about it all the time. She just read Midnight Sun, which is from Edward's point of view, um, Twilight from his point of view, and that kind of thing. And she's like, I'm always Team Edward. So she loved the, the love triangle thing. Um, and then there's Katniss Everdeen, who has to choose between Peeta and Gale in The Hunger Games, which was also a big one. Yeah. And, and you know, know, both of those are young adults. Yeah, yeah, they are. And I, I, I mean, like I said, they're mostly young adult is what I notice them in the most. Um, and I don't know if it's, that's because they typically do them all the same way, like the same style of love triangle or what. I don't, I don't know why that is such a huge trope with. Well, I think young adult, those, those characters don't know how to deal with it either. So you can have love triangles with people who are older, but they generally have the wisdom to go, you know, this isn't the way things should be and they aren't as oh i love this one and oh i love this one like young children like, they're not young children but teenagers are right so i think that's why i think the main characters themselves handle the love triangles different than characters in other genres because those other genres aren't necessarily young like that 
Yeah, that's fair. And, you know, one of the examples that I have is Mercy Thompson having to choose between Samuel and Adam and, and her series. Oh, yeah. And um, see, that's not young adult. Right. And, but yeah. I think that's a really good example of like, you know, I didn't quite, I didn't quite mind it because it's, it's very different. They're, the way that Patricia Briggs writes that love triangle is very, very different uh, and comes across like really well, I thought. I thought she did it very well. And I'm not a, I'm not a fan of the love triangle trope. I, I hate it. Yeah. Um, and but didn't mind it that much. Mercy is also older. And so she did have wisdom going into this, realizing, you know, I do have to make a choice, but she doesn't string them along. She doesn't, you know, she's not like a teenager who doesn't know how to handle it. She as the character, not just the writer, you know, Patricia Briggs, but Mercy as the character handled it different than a young adult character handles yeah. it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I do think it's super common. I don't remember what I was going to say. Okay. <laughs> you had some of your own examples. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I found it. I'm on, I'm on board. I have not had it. Okay, well, I've had a little bit to drink. <laughs> um, so another one that's not YA is the Dragonlance series, which I think I've talked about before. It's a really, really old series. It's one that it, one of the very first fantasy novels that I ever read. It's based on Dungeons and Dragons. But the Dragonlance series, the main character, Tannis, is a half-elf. Yeah. And his triangle is he falls in love with a 100% human and he falls in love with a 100% elf, which gotcha. makes sense because he is half of each culture and he's trying to find a way to fit into both cultures and so it makes sense that he would find a love interest in both cultures yeah um so i found that to be interesting and then you know from urban fantasy you can you can have that idea with a half monster loving someone from both cultures or whatever you know you've got the the, the bella swan one that you were talking about Right, one's, yeah. One's a vampire and one's a werewolf. So two totally different magical in our writing world uh, cultures. Right, which uh, back on the Twilight thing, um, I was reading a little bit more about it. And, you know, Jacob actually represents Bella's human life, even though he's a werewolf, because if she ended up with him, you know, she would have remained human. She wouldn't be anything other than human and she would have grown old with Jacob and all that. And Edward represented this more immortal life, like some, a, a completely different life that she could have that would have led to a completely different future for her. Like, obviously she's not going to grow old and all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, so I thought that was like a really interesting way to bring that in was, you know, he represents one life that could be and Edward uh, represented another life. So mm. I thought that was really interesting. That is interesting. And I think that's how love triangles should work if you're going to write them well. There yeah. should be this choice. It shouldn't just be, oh, I like him because he has brown hair and he has blonde hair. I don't know which one to choose. There are, <laughs> there should be a lot more depth to it than that. There should be something that each individual love interest can give to your main character that they can't get from the other. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that leads to the question of, do you have to avoid love triangles? And I don't think so. Um, I mean, just the way that we're talking about it already, you know, I, I don't think that there's anything uh, that you have to do in writing. So by no means do you have to avoid it. They're cliche for a reason. Um, right. So they can definitely work. They have worked in the past. They can still work in the future. Uh, it just has to be done right. Yeah, I agree. Um, the love triangle itself, just because of what it is, creates that perfect framework for conflict and resolution and conflict is what moves your story forward. Right. Um, 
let's be honest, we all love drama. I should mention that the new show that I'm watching is Married at First Sight. Uh, and, you know, it's the drama of these people meeting for the first time at the altar and all the their progress as a couple. I mean, and I love it and I hate reality TV. And so yeah. and I love this show. And that's what I think we all love about reading a love triangle is it is so drama. It is so soap, soap opera. And for some reason, as humans, we love that kind of thing. Yeah. But if you do it wrong, then it can feel cheesy. You could send your readers running for the hills, you know, rolling their eyes, that kind of thing. So it does have to be done right. Yeah, absolutely. How can we do it right then? Good and question. I have a few points uh, that I found that I thought were, were pretty interesting about going about this because, and you know this about me, like I hate love triangle cliches. I really, really hate do. them. But reading about them and like doing research for this is actually really interesting because I did find a few points where I was like, ah, yeah, I'm, I'm totally okay with love triangles, but they have to be done, you know, in ways that don't feel like they've been run into the ground and like that kind of thing. Right. Um, so how can we do it right? Develop each character involved in the love triangle. So like love triangles create tension, drama, like you were talking about. Um, and it makes you wonder, you know, who is your MC uh, main character going to end up with? Like, who are they going to choose in the end? And make sure we know that character. Make them realistic in their goals and their motives and personalities. Like, make sure everyone in this love triangle is someone that we as the reader can understand. Yeah, don't cheat either. You can't, as the writer, you know that you want her to end up with this one in the triangle. And so don't make that other one lacking or one-dimensional or whatever. They, you, right. To be a good triangle... There has to be, like you said, you have to know those characters and, our, and your reader has to be able to know both of those characters and know the depth of them and like them both and really be going, oh my God, what's she going to do? Who's she going to choose? And yeah. I say she, it doesn't have to be a she. It could be a, a male. It could be an all-male triangle or an all-female triangle or, you know, any combination thereof. But I just, I write mostly female main characters. And so for me, it's always going to be a female. Not always. But anyway, right. yeah. um, but I do think that that tension and that conflict is crucial to getting this done right. Yeah, there should be struggle. There should be discomfort. It should not be easy. Yeah. You really should be uncomfortable with, you know, am I leading this guy on? Do I, you know, like with Bella, do I want to live forever with him, but give up having that be able to have children and, you know, miss growing old with someone, miss all of those things, miss laying out at the beach on the sun. Right. Or, you know, do I want to be with Jacob? And, you know, you know, so both of those were viable. And like you said, there were, the whole world was team Jacob or, or team Edward. So right. it really got all of us into it. And that's because that author, Stephanie, Stephanie Meyer, Meyer did a really good job of humanizing and creating that depth of characters so that we could relate to both of them. She didn't lead us down a path where, oh, she's going to choose Edward, so we're going to make something wrong with Jacob along the right. way. So. Yeah. Yeah, which that, you you mentioned a, a really good point in there, and you said, you know, both of them are viable, and that's actually my next point. Okay. Um, make sure they're both viable options for your main character. If one obviously doesn't fit your main character, then they're probably going to choose the other one. So where's the mystery? Like, where's that right. tension and conflict? Uh -huh. um, you want your reader to wonder just as much as your main character, like, oh God, like, who do I choose? Um, right. Kind of thing. So right. just make sure they both fit your main character. 
Um, and that way it's not, it's not obvious. It's not easy for your main character. Or your um, reader. Right. Yeah, exactly. You want your reader to be like, oh, you want them to be invested in this um, yeah. as much as you are and as much as your main character is. Yeah. Also, don't drag out the decision or have the main character like flip flop between the two love interests. I think that's what gets me a lot of the time and why I'm like, well, like, I don't, I don't want that. It's, I just, I hate it. It makes me bored with the story. I no longer care. If it keeps going back and forth, I'm like, God, just choose already and be done with it. Yeah, that's, um, no one likes a wishy-washy character, but I also think that that's why it's so prevalent in young adult uh, books, because at that age, you don't know what you want, and you are likely to be more wishy-washy because you haven't set yourself in your ways yet. You don't even know yourself yet. Right. Which is fair. That is a fair point. I've just noticed, like, you know, it makes me really frustrated as a reader to be like, all right, I, I don't care about this anymore. And just like pick one and let's go. Like pick, pick one and stick with it and like deal with the consequence. I want to see what happens because you picked this person. Right. Um, kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, so it's, I guess it's like more likely to annoy me if it's like, oh, I choose you. Oh no, wait, but I love you so much. Oh no, wait, but I can't get rid of you. And like, whatever. It's just, yeah move on. You know, I get bored with that and therefore I get bored with the story and I'm going to end up not reading that book. Um, yeah. So, but like you said, I guess it works for different age groups and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, make your main character actively choose their love interest. Also known as do not kill one off so that they have to choose the <laughs> other one. <laughs> um, you can, again, you can kill you them off for other reasons, but don't kill them off for the purpose of having an easy choice. Absolutely. Yeah, that's the, you know, you were saying earlier, you, you don't want it to be easy for your main character. You want it to be very difficult for them to choose. And if one just dies and you're like, oh, okay, well, you're still alive. So I guess I'll be with you. Like that just doesn't give the payoff that I want as a reader, I guess. That was kind of one of my issues with Twilight. And I like Twilight too. I, I loved reading those books. I thought that they were, they were fine books. I like, you know, that I liked them. Right. But having I, I guess this is kind of a spoiler alert. So if you haven't read them and you want to read them, uh, don't listen. But it, she did kind of make it too easy. I mean, granted, she took it through several of the books. So you don't know. But at the end, he ended up being with the magical baby. That was right. I, I just to me, that was an easy out. I agree. Yeah. You know, yeah, it didn't feel like Bella necessarily had to choose between the two of them, especially, you know, because she had chosen Edward and it was always Edward and it was pretty obvious that it was always going right. to be Edward, which again is like, you know, there's no guessing there. You're pretty sure she's going to be with this vampire that she's discovered. Yeah. Um, as opposed to this dude who, you know, was a great friend and everything and ended up being a werewolf, but like she was still always thinking about Edward. Um, yeah. And to me, I think, it wasn't so much giving Bella an easy out that the author chose to put that way, but to make the readers happy that Jacob wasn't left alone. Right. Yeah. You know, the, the, I think given that type of book that it was the reader base for that series did want a happy ending and they didn't want Jacob to, you know, there, there are a lot of team Jacob people out there. And so the author wanted to make sure that Jacob had a happy ending too, which in a love triangle is not always realistic. Right. Yeah. There's yeah. no way it could be. Right. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. Um, another thing is, you know, show your main character through their choice, like show their character through their choice. Your main character's character is what I have written down. And that's what I <laughs> um, 
but show their character through their choice. You know, what's their reasoning and does it make sense for your main character? Does it make sense for um, the love interest she chose and the one that she rejected? That, or I'm saying she too, but again, whatever gender right. your main character is, right. you know, what, do, you know, does it make sense for them to have chosen the love interest that they chose? Hmm. Um, you know, who does your character want to be, I think is an important one. And that kind of goes back to what I was saying about Bella choosing between Jacob and Edward was, you know, it, both of them represented different futures for her and which one she wanted was about who she was and who she wanted to be. And therefore, you know, she chose Edward or whatever. Um, so yeah. which of interest really encompasses who you, who your main character wants to be. Yeah. It, this reminds me of the fam of the opera also, um, not a young adult, but does have the love triangle. You know, there is, you know, and there's other books too that I can't think of off the top of my head. Do you, really want your main character or do the readers really want the main character to end up with the phantom of the opera as because he's a murderer i mean but then there are those people who see the hope within the phantom and understand why he's the way he is right. and you know perhaps they think that if she had chosen him he could have been redeemed somehow i, I don't know but you know he's a murderer yeah. so as do you know i don't know it's it's interesting that one was and yet when she chose raul we all felt like yes that was really the right well i, I say we all felt that i don't know if everybody <laughs> felt that, but you know that that really was the right choice given how broken the phantom was and could she really have been happy and is it really her place to redeem him or what can he even right. be redeemed given what he had done and so that just made me think of that, you know, does it make sense for her to choose the phantom given everything, you know, so you're right. It, it, you do have to think that through. And I think they could have made that work. I think the author could have totally Absolutely. made it go that way, but it's a tragedy. So, you know, I don't know. Right. That's something to think about. It's been a very long time since I've watched that. It's It's been a very long time since I've done anything with Phantom of the Opera and it's it's really good. I need to need to revisit that. Didn't I give you, a, was it you or Courtney that got the music box? Who, which, who collected the music boxes? I think that was Courtney. Or it might have even been Jordan. Maybe. It wasn't but me. I got the music box for the Phantom of the Opera. Gorgeous box, gorgeous music. I, I love the Phantom of the Opera. That's, That's awesome. Mm -hmm. I wonder if she still has it. I bet it was Courtney. Because she really was. Okay, it probably was her then. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. The next point I have is you don't have to start both relationships at the same time. It's your story. So like whatever works for your story is obviously going to be what you do. Um, but it may not work for others. Uh, what others do may not work for you. You don't have to start both love interests from, you know, from the start. They don't have to be vying against each other from the very beginning of your story. That's often not how life works. A lot of the time people come in at different times and you realize, oh, this person is actually a good fit for me, blah, 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 blah. You know, there's yeah. There's different ways to start a love triangle. Yeah, I think that it would be rather unlikely that you would have both love interests start at the same time. I mean, I can see very well that a person might be perfectly content with this person that they're with. And then the second person comes in later, opening her up to things that she never considered before, which could lead to that. Am I really happy with who I am? What, you know, and I can see that starting that, you know, to have them at the same time. I, I don't know that I don't know that how that would even work. Yeah. I mean, it can be done. You can do anything in writing, but I think it makes more sense and it's much more interesting to have them at two different times. 
Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Establish the stakes within this triangle. So what does your main character have to gain or lose when choosing a love interest? And I think that goes back to, you know, decide who you are in, in terms of your main character. Like who, who is your main character? What does each of these love interests represent for, for them? And what do they bring to the plate kind of? And what does she bring to the plate or he bring to the plate for them? Yeah. What does your main character bring to the plate? Um, yeah. Is it a good relationship all the way around? And, you know, I, th I think all of those things are important to consider. Yeah, a, a good a good um, love triangle, I feel like, should be a catch-22. It should be hard for the protagonist to choose. We don't want it to be too easy for, yeah. although with Bella, she really, we pretty much knew from the beginning it was going to be Edward. She loved Edward, but there were pros and cons. You know, the, the thought of being with Edward and never being able, able to have a baby is huge. A lot of women want children. Granted, they do have a kid. I mean, they, she worked it out. That's another right. thing. I mean, and she did it well, I think. I know a lot of people have a lot of problems with the Twilight series, but I personally really like that series. I thought she did well. I thought the story was done well. I thought she was creative in overcoming that issue where, you know, Bella might not be able to have children for the rest of her life and, and how a lot of people, it is important to have children. Children are a huge factor for, and it's not for some people. Yeah. So I thought she handled that well, but there should be that catch 22, that choice of, I love this person, but can I really go without having a baby? Right. Or, you know, do I, do I give up all the opportunity of being immortal and all the things that Edward can show me to be able to stay with Jacob, who is a dear friend and be able to have a normal children and grow old together? You know, that there right. was a catch 22 for her. Yeah. 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 And then kind of, on that catch 22 thing, you know, where, you know, something, you know, is too easy is, is boring to read. You want to explore all the different kinds of conflict within that love triangle. So that would be, you know, like internal conflict, um, external conflict. How do each of the people in that love triangle react to things? Does it affect your main character in certain ways, uh, depending yeah. on who you're reacting with? Are there jealousy issues? Right. Yeah. And how do they react? You know, I think, yeah. I think that speaks a lot to how a love triangle can be portrayed um, and eventually who your main character does end up choosing uh, will have a lot to do with how conflict is handled within that triangle. Yeah, I, I really do think that conflict is huge in doing this right. You know, that's what the reader, that's what keeps them turning the pages. That's why I turn the pages when I'm reading a book. It, it has to feel realistic. You don't want it be contrived and you know you you don't want to just make okay you think oh I need to add conflict and it needs to be this don't just try to cram that into your story because you think it needs it you've got to make it realistic you know and you can do that by asking yourself open-ended questions about what if what if we do this and even write it like sometimes you do you'll you'll sit down and write a scene and say okay let's take that let's take that conflict and see what really could happen let's let's go that way yeah. and then then you'll be able to look at it and go nope i don't really want to go that way or oh this is better than what i was thinking so right yeah. well that's how i end up cutting eighteen thousand words out of my books so <laughs> this is true this is true but yeah, explore conflicts and ask yourself these open-ended questions on what works so that you don't end up with this stale, cliched love triangle idea. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, piggyback, piggybacking off of that, where does that triangle fit into your story? Um, it needs to aid the story as a whole, like all types of subplots, I think, should aid the main conflict that's happening um, in your story. 
and then you know make it interesting and twisty but make sure it fits with the greater plot that you have going yeah yeah i mean it, you're you could i suppose have that love triangle as the main plot line especially in a romance type novel absolutely but i think to me it's better to have it as a subplot it adds more depth to your story like we talked about last week sometime last, last time week, yeah. sometime <laughs> yeah. um, so it does it can be a subplot that adds depth to the story without detracting from the main plot lines i i don't it can work as a main plot line but to me it works better as a subplot yeah 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 i agree with that and then continuing on that idea, you know, make sure there's a reason for including it in the love triangle, like including the love triangle in your story at all. So like, does it support your theme? Um, does it develop your main character in crucial ways that helps your stories? Um, no matter what kind of story you're trying to tell, like you were talking about, like whether it's a romance or an urban fantasy or a thriller or whatever, like whatever you have, like if you have a love triangle, does it actually fit in with your story? Um, yeah. That's a big point. Definitely think that you've got to have a reason for it not just thinking hmm i need some conflict let's throw a love triangle in here i yeah. think there has to be a reason for a love triangle especially since it is so overused yeah, that, yeah. if you're looking for a conflict to add to make your story more interesting that might not be the way to go just for that reason yeah i, I think it needs to be crucial to showing something like yeah. a, a trait of your character like you said or a point plot or something that ties the point plots together you know it's, it needs to have a deeper meaning yeah and then one thing that you didn't talk about was the resolution of it right and you know usually in a in a love triangle somebody's going to be hurt and so yeah. it's hard to figure out how do you want to resolve this love triangle but before you even start writing the love triangle, I think you have to have an idea in mind on how it's gonna go. Now, sometimes the way that I write, I just write and things happen. And so I might end up with a love triangle that I wasn't even expecting. So, yeah. you know, it might just pop up. But when you're editing and finalizing your novel, you need to think about how, what kind of resolution is gonna be satisfying for your kind of book. Yeah. Um, you know, like a romance, it does have to be a happily ever after ending. For the most part, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's expected in a you know a true romance novel. Yeah. But it doesn't have to be. So, you know, it, there's something to be said about that. Yep, this feels right. She made the right choice ending where everybody's like, okay, you know, I feel bad for Jacob, but you know, she did. This right. is what is right for her. Yeah, because you've um, definitely hopefully set up this story and you know built it up and built up that conflict and the tension and everything, and we want the readers to be satisfied with whatever we end up doing and right. you know there's a lot that goes into that I think so and I think in that particular series it that that wasn't the main plot line there were other plot lines going on in that whole series it was it was a subplot and it didn't get resolved in the first book it wasn't the whole plot line of the first book it went through several several books so you can leave it open in the first book even in the second book but at some point you do have to have some kind of res resolution, maybe. But what if you don't? I mean, I've watched novel, watched movies where it's just open-ended and you're like, well, well, which one did she decide? And you kind of leave it for your, your reader to decide. I don't know that I like I know. that. <laughs> I know, but it can be done and it works in some kind of stories, probably not urban fantasy. But, right. you know, Courtney likes all those weird things. I could see her liking a book where 
we just don't know. We well, don't know who she ends up with. I feel like if it's a, a major plot point, though, like you're going to have to have some kind of resolution. But at the same time, like I could see, you know, one of those weird movies, whatever, where they end up just choosing no one and leave it at that. And that mm -hmm. could also work. Yeah, it, it can. Um, Cressley Cole's young adult series, The Arcana Chronicles, she has a love triangle in that one. And it goes, it doesn't get resolved in book one. It, she carries it through. I love that series, or I love the beginning of it, but I honestly did stop reading it a lot because of the love triangle and she brings in the pregnancy thing and just blah. Like yeah. I just, I stopped yeah. reading it because I didn't care and, about that anymore. And that main character is definitely young adult. She is too young to, you know, life was so easy for her up to that point. She was popular, she, you know, beautiful, whatever. So she didn't have the wisdom to know how to deal with these two male um, love interests. And right. so she was wishy-washy, which made you just want to smack her upside the head sometimes as you were reading it. Yeah. Um, but what makes your protagonist finally reach that quote, right choice? You've got to think about, when we talked about this earlier, what does your protagonist need? Yeah. The, the whole point that there is a love triangle means that each of these love interests are offering something that fills, fulfills something in your main character. Right. So what does she need more? You know, if Bella had never had a child, was having that child more important? And that's why she would have chosen Jacob. You know, what is her deepest need? Not just. Right. Well, and think about, you know, the, the Mercy Thompson series between Samuel and Adam you know, Samuel offered, you know, it was a nostalgic love. She loved him, you know, when she was a teenager and then ended up leaving because of, you know, his choices in the relationship and that kind of thing. And then Adam rep represented more of like a new love. And he was, it was just, it was a lot more complicated than a typical like, oh, I need this from this one. And I need this from this right. one. It was more like a, he offers this to me. And I know, I know Samuel from, you know, for most, I've known him for most of my life. And that, is, is something very different from, oh, I know Adam, he was my neighbor and he just was assigned to watch over me kind of thing. I think if she had chosen Samuel, that would have been an easy way out for her. He was comfortable. He was someone that she knew, whereas Adam was different and challenging and exciting. And, and I think those were things that she did need. Yeah. And she was able to say, it's too safe for me to stay. And neither one of them would have been happy. Right, right. I mean, it, it, well, it, they would have been happy. They just, it wouldn't have been that magical, true, passionate love affair that she has with Adam. Yeah, I agree with that. So she would have gotten something out of Samuel, and Samuel would have gotten something out of her, especially if she ended up being able to carry children. And it, and it could have been a comfortable relationship. But for, for Mercy, she is not the type of person who is okay with comfortable. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, she chose the unknown, exciting risk of going with someone completely unknown. Well, he wasn't completely unknown, but that relationship was. Right. Yeah. So Absolutely. And I think, I think Adam fits her much better than Samuel does anyway, personally. Mm -hmm. That's I do too. And I, and I think Adam gave her more of what she needed as opposed to what was, like you said, comfortable. Right. And then what about resolving it with uh, nobody wins scenario where maybe she chooses herself. I yeah. can't, you know, I'm not, obviously I have issues. If I can't choose between the two of you, I need to resolve myself first. I need right. to love myself more right now. And I'm going to leave you both. 
which yeah. is an interesting option as well. Yeah, I think so too. I actually kind of like that one where it's like, especially if it's an active choice of hers mm -hmm. to be like, I don't want to be with either of these people uh, because both of them either take away more than what they give or I don't give enough to them kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Uh, or I can't, yeah, I can't give them what they need and it would right. be wrong of me to take what I need from them without being able to give them what they, need, you know, because right. you know, it's something to think about. So I was trying to figure out, so how to twist it up other than making it the old, you know, the, the, the love triangle that we're also familiar with and making it better. How do right. we, how do we make it different? And so I was trying to think, you know, in, in urban fantasy, there are some ways to shake that up. You could have the main, the love interest be two different creatures, which was like the werewolf and vampire in the Twilight series. Right. You could have the, the love interest be rival magical factions, and, you know, and so then you're getting the inside scoop on both sides of political issues or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Is she with the resistance? Is she with someone who's with the resistance, but she also loves someone on the other side? And, and so it's a great way to explore the conflicts of your world as an urban fantasy writer to that love interest itself could be a, a very important part of your plot line to get across the differences of the world. I agree. I think, uh, like we talked about last week, that's a really great way to add a lot of depth to your no uh, novel. Um, you can get a lot of information across using love interests and where they come from and what, uh, you know, what kind of political uh, views come with both of them and how does your main character feel about those views and that kind mm -hmm. of thing. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So, yeah, you could do that. What if, what if one of the love interests is a forbidden choice? And then it turns out that it's forbidden because the joining of those two magics creates something powerful, kind of like in Underworld. No, uh -huh. Underworld? Is that the right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where the werewolf in the past, the werewolf fell in love with a vampire and they were going to have a child together. And the thought was that that child would be an abomination. In that case, that was really more deep seated prejudice than it was any right. actual abomination coming from the birth. But, you know, the, the joinder of those two species, we did see what happened when a vampire and, and werewolf merged and it was more powerful than either of the underlying species which yeah in, in an urban fantasy could be amazing you could do a lot with that absolutely i'm sure it's been done too i would love to read those but i haven't found one yet so yeah yeah just underworld was the one that came to mind for me and then what if the main character loses and the other two end up together whether, <laughs> ro whether romantically or not like say the two you know the resistance and the other yeah what if they're able to join together and resolve the problem in the world, but to do so, they have to lose her. Yeah. And so they choose healing the world or whatever it is over right. having either of them having her. And so she's the loser. She doesn't get to actively pick. I mean, it's just something I was thinking about. Do you have to have a happily ever, ever after ending? You, you don't have to unless your genre expects it. And then what if, magic types um yeah i think i just said that so you know maybe maybe she does lose them both is something going on outside yeah there's a leaf blower walking by my door so I can sorry hear, about that i can hear noise but it's not it's not overpowering it's really annoying <laughs> <laughs> but you know even in that that case where the two love interests ended up having to band together whether it's romantically or not 
book two might resolve that issue as well. You aren't bound by necessarily the choices. <laughs> but that, no, that I was all I had. I was trying to come up with, you know, how do we really make it different? Something that we've never heard about before. Yeah, absolutely. And I like that that last point that you brought up where you, you're not bound by necessarily one book in urban fantasy, especially. Um, urban fantasies tend to be more than one book. And I think it's interesting, not again, not to drag out that triangle, but relationships do change and evolve over time. And so it would make sense that your your love triangle and your books would as well, your story would as well. So, right, right. Um, people, I have an interview question. Okay, I was going to say people's needs change too. Oh, absolutely. No, I agree with that 100%. I think as real life reflects, you change as you grow and as you experience new things, I would expect the same of your main character because whether they're fictional or not, they are also going through their own conflicts and, and things and they're going to change over time. Yeah, agree. So what's your interview question? Does every single one of your books include a love interest? And do you think a story has to include a love interest? I think every one of mine does have a love interest. And, and I don't start out necessarily meaning for it to. It's just the characters, as they get to know each other, there's chemistry between them and it happens. Um, right. My Kata book that starts here in Atlanta and ends up in a totally other world, uh, I had no intention of romantic anything in that book. And they, they did that all on their own. And it turned out to be a very strong subplot was the growing of their romance in that book. I didn't expect it, I didn't plan on it. And to answer the other question, I don't think it has to. Yeah. But I, I do think that human beings are naturally attracted to other human beings. So I do think that there is always gonna be that spark of interest that might, you know, that the pheromones or whatever, there, I do feel like it's a normal everyday human thing to have romance. Um, I agree, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I, I was thinking about it, and I think uh, I think all of my stories also include a love interest, um, whether I meant for them to or not. Like in Mac, I totally didn't have one planned for her. You know, I figured if she had one, maybe they would come along later or whatever, and then one of the characters just decided to up and be one. So that happened for, for that book. And um, I, don't, I don't think that a story has to include a love interest. I think, like you said, a lot of the time it does just happen naturally, the way people interact. Um, especially if you yourself as the author experiences uh, attraction and like that kind of thing. Um, but I don't think it's a, a prerequisite. I think a lot of people look for that in stories um, because it's something that a lot of people can relate to. But there are stories I think about like asexual characters and like that kind of thing. And, and so I don't think it's a necessity to have love interests if that's not exactly what fits your main character. Um, yeah, I mean, and in certain genres, you don't even really expect it at all. Like in an action adventure, right? that's not the whole point. I mean, but even in those, there could be, but there doesn't have to be. Yeah, no, I agree. And I was just thinking, you know, psychological thrillers. There's yeah. definitely, there's not always love interests. I've definitely read somewhere there are not any love interests in those at all. Um, yeah. So I, I definitely don't think it's a requirement, but I have noticed that I think all of mine do have love interests. Mine too. I can't think of anything that doesn't. I'm, I'm a hundred percent sure every one of mine has love interests. Yeah. Yeah. Neat. Well, thank you guys for listening. That was a fun episode. Our website is eatdrinkrightpodcast.com. That's really the main place to go to find us. You can contact us there. You can post anything there. 
uh, comments, whatnot. You can find links to all our so social media. You can find links to things that we've promised during um, episodes. Like there was one time that we were talking about the covers of books and I posted what I was talking about there. Pictures of our food and drink. Uh, we are on Facebook, Twitter, yay, writing community. Instagram, uh, we have our email. It's also on our website if you want that. Leave us reviews on iTunes or any of the other platforms. YouTube, we've got YouTube now. So leave us reviews. We would really appreciate it. Give us thumbs up. Support us at our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash edwpodcast. We do have some special things just for our patrons, and we thank them very much. They are lifesavers. Yes. So I guess we will see you next time. Thanks, guys. <laughs>